Hello and welcome to Talking Film at Queen's, the podcast brought to you by Queen's University Belfast, where we talk film. My name is Amanda Doherty and I'm your host. Each episode, I'll be joined by a distinguished panel of guests from across the film industry who will use their knowledge and experience to help crack open questions on the art of film. This episode on the podcast, we pose the question, does a film need a critic? Our guests are Dr. Katarina Flintnickel and Dr. Des Raw from Queen's University Film Department and filmmaker and reviewer Brian Henry Martin. Well, first of all, thank you so much to everyone for being here. I'm so delighted that we're all uh, coming together in socially distant times to keep the momentum of cinema and film going. So we've got a rather provocative question tonight. I know it's probably going to be quite divisive, but we're, we are asking this evening, uh, does a film need a critic? So with that, I'm going to just pass it over. If anyone has any immediate thoughts, feel free to just start jumping on in. <laughs> Um, well, I, I was always a bit anxious about the word critic uh, to begin with because it, it always felt a little like a negative to me that you were setting out to criticise, to, to critique, to find fault in a way. And there was always a sense that critics were failed artists. You know? <laughs> they were filmmakers who never made it and were bitter and twisted. And we're going to review anyone who had made anything and just be jealous and um, you know um, be negative so I always felt myself more of a film reviewer I always felt that I was a film fan first that I was an audience member and I was always very conscious that people paid money to go to watch films and and I like to see myself as someone who kind of respected that you know, because sometimes when you're a film critic and you go to watch films free for years, you kind of lose sense that actually ordinary people pay money. I mean, uh, I always felt that you should that film critics should pay on the way out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if they've enjoyed the film. You know, I think a transaction is good. Um, but I also think part of your job in that world is to champion films that actually you know get left behind part of my job was like as a as a film champion you know to pick um smaller films or independent films and kind of mm-hmm. point an audience towards those films okay so that's kind of interesting what you said about pointing to or championing films because i would say there's a feeling amongst um the more established film critics they are they are part of those structures or the film industries. And they don't necessarily, I think, champion, um, or they ch- they might, they don't champion the films that probably do need championing. So from, from my experience, because I, I write about British film, I write about British cinema, and there's there's a lot going on kind of independently, you know, the independent British cinema, which never gets picked up um, by the mainstream kind of critics. And I don't know whether I'm allowed to mention names. I don't want to be that kind of divisive. But there is one critic who is, um, I think, <sighs> vo- <laughs> works actively against um, kind of lo-fi British independent films. 
and for me that's 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 a bit of a that's a bit of an issue because they are part of the establishment you know, they are they are part of the british film culture as such but there are only they don't want to look at the broad spectrum of british film um it kind of remains on the surface it's much more mainstream and it tends to be um pointed to, to towards films or genres or filmmakers that are already established um or kind of going back over films that had been you know, working with the BFI and working with um, BBC Online, looking at films who, you know, which had kind of been successful, people know about and revisiting them rather than uncovering films or championing things um, or looking at um, newcomers. So I, I find, you know, as much as I'm not saying that there shouldn't be film critics, I find in the British film culture, for me, there are a number of issues that um, I find problematic. Yeah, well, I, I, I uh, as I said, I don't, I don't really work that much in, in any particular national cinema as such, so I kind of uh, uh, scan over various things. But I mean, I do, I'm quite interested in this distinction between the reviewer and the critic, you know, because I do think uh, sometimes when I read reviews in and and uh, particularly in mainstream, you know, newspapers and things of films, I mean, it, it's really a kind of consumer guide. <laughs> you know, you you do find that a lot of critics don't really want to engage with. I mean. Um, uh, you don't really want to engage with the complexities of some some of the films and some of their their context and 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 I think there's uh, I think Kat's point is very true. I mean, film culture is a very it's a very complex phenomenon, you know, and it's very and and um, a lot of critics who want to be popular and who want to be read and different things that who are under pressure from editors and also you know they they they. Um, I think they tend to focus on, <laughs> you know, I mean the question is you know do. do um, you know, do films need critics? I mean, sometimes when I read some criticism, I wonder, do the critics need the films? <laughs> you know, they, it's, it's nearly like an alibi or an excuse to to talk about. So, you know, so so there is an issue around that, and I think as well, there's a, I mean, in terms of academic criticism, you know, there there you know there are debates, of course, uh, and there are old debates, and they haven't changed very much to some extent. Whether you focus on uh, broader cultural and political issues or whether you focus on more formal and, uh, and generic and how you judge different filmmakers and then it gets just, there's questions around all of that in terms of uh, who does that privilege who does that um, discriminate against uh, who has the resources to you know uh, and uh, I, I, but I would feel a lot of you know, in a sense the, 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 the you know we, we, we kind of get the critics we deserve to some extent and, and uh, some of it is an indication of problems within the film culture itself you know that I think, for example, I'm not idealizing France and Europe, but you do find on the continent to some extent uh, people um, can work, can write both, you know, fairly accessible, popular criticism in mainstream media and online. Uh, and they can also publish quite, you know, quite sophisticated essays on, on films. And, you know, I'm not sure we have that here to the, to the same extent. And uh, um, I mean, I think that's an issue that maybe, you know, we, we could look at. But um yeah, I mean, I mean, my my my, as I said, my main issues sometimes is I think that there isn't, uh, you know, we're not sufficiently attentive to um, not just things that are innovative in terms of film language and, uh, but also the extent to which a lot of filmmakers themselves are very, you know, they're very aware of the histories of of film and they're very cine literate mm -hmm. and uh, they're trying to kind of. Um, do something that's distinctive and interesting and I, I think sometimes that's not credited because again mm -hmm. it's just dismissed as kind of art house or 
you know, these are all distribution categories. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not particularly significant, you know. Uh, so so those those kind of issues uh, bother me, I suppose. About, but I take Brian's point as well. I think there's a, a problem with the kind of negative connotation that, you know, you, you, whenever you hear the word critic, you think somebody's going to come out with an, an, an Oscar Wilde quotation or something. <laughs> but, but there is that... Um, there is that problem, you know, mm. and, and, and uh, I'm not, yeah. For me, though, I feel that um, the word critic comes with some positive connotations as well, though. Just touching off what you said there, Des, about uh, very often it seems like a consumer guide. And I think that that is something that is more and more prevalent whenever we look at, you know, reviews or critiques of movies. Whereas with critic, that comes with the, the analysing of the work. And it comes to me with that bit more thought and it comes with that um, approach where, as I've mentioned before, very sometimes, you know, very often, sometimes when you look at a really strong and well-written, very thoughtfully completed review that actually we are learning. We're learning so much more, whether that is something that we didn't see or something that we didn't know or just some kind of insight that actually brings us up to a new level of understanding. And I think that that is something that um, is kind of missing that it's it very much feels to me anyway that there is you know one extreme or the other it's it's the blog review by um paul who didn't like this film and here's why <laughs> or it is something that is around 18 pages long and it could be so incredibly um inaccessible that so many people switch off and that is why there's that feeling of distance but critique for me also it, it suggests something very positive it suggests that there's the thoughtfulness and also that there's almost the um the I guess earned position if that makes sense you know that yeah okay I've, I've really really put in a lot of effort here into paying attention to this and doing this textual analysis of the movie and it's a little bit more than that I, I think as well just one other point about uh, which I think links with that point and Kat's point is uh, you know sometimes when I mean um, I mean I've, <laughs> I've been watching quite a bit of movie I've uh, got into that a bit over the the, the lockdown and stuff but but I mean one of the things that interested me was um, you know in, in say the last year or two I mean with films like uh, you know which are made by very established filmmakers I mean like Martin Scorsese or, or Clint Eastwood um, and even Jean-Luc Godard's uh, image book and stuff you know what I mean you're on kind of familiar ground but when you move into say some of these Korean films I think Parasite was one I saw which was, was which was enjoyed was kind of black comedy and uh, had a kind of economic you know class type of kind of critique allegory and um and um but but the, I enjoyed those films but I, I did look to crit criticism because I don't know anything about <laughs> South Korea I did look to some of the reviews and critics to kind of fill me in and give me a bit of context and give me something to grip on to you know uh, critically you know in terms of that and I mean, I do think uh, uh, some critics and reviewers, good critic interviewers, will do that for you. You know, they will give you uh, a kind of a, a they'll open a door for you and let you step into these films. And and uh, I, 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 quite quite often, that's I mean, that's you know, I think that's something to be appreciated. And I think filmmakers should <laughs> probably appreciate that as well. So I think you know, in a sense, uh, it's 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 important to you know to see what what critics quite often are trying to do which is to introduce us to a wider film culture and to broaden things out and i think when that works it's 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 a very valuable uh, contribution yeah and i i think that was essential for me um i find myself by default um actually on utv news uh for six <laughs> years uh <laughs> reviewing films 
on a weekly basis. Now, it was only supposed to be one week and then it just kind of rolled on. And because there was new films coming out every week and there was trailers and people were genuinely interested. The audience was always interested in new movies. But I kind of seen my position there um, as a little bit of a mission. And I, and because I looked at the transformation that had happened within our culture um, in terms of food. I mean, when I was growing up, food was incredibly local, incredibly basic. Um, and then after the Good Friday Agreement and after, you know, the big multinational supermarkets came here, all of a sudden we were eating cuisine from all around the world on a daily basis. We were having mangoes and avocados and all these things that we had never heard of. Um, and I looked at cinema and I thought, wow, we're, we're just eating hamburgers every week here. You know, you, you look at the multiplex, it's just 10 American films. That's all we're watching. That's all we're consuming. And one of my missions uh, as a film reviewer was to say, people, there's a world of cinema out here. There's, a, there's, not, there's no language in the world that a film cannot be made in. But we, but there was such a resistance to reading subtitles. Uh, people believed that they could not read and watch at the same time. Um, but yet, even when a film came along like The Artist, uh, which was a French film, but it was silent, it was still regarded as a foreign film. And foreignness in cinema here was kind of Mm. not welcomed mm -hmm. in the same way as other elements of culture and that felt to me like something that you know that we could really push towards so I made up my mission every week to try and have a film in a different language and to break down those barriers and to say people you should go and watch this film it, it, it's a wonderful kind of movie and not make it anything you know frightening and I do recall there was an Indonesian film called The Raid, um, which is an incredibly violent action thriller. It's, a, it's an astonishing piece of cinema. It was playing in a multiplex and going to see it. There was a sign outside that said warning. And I thought, oh, warning, of course, because the violence, because like 150 people are killed in this film. No, it said warning. <laughs> this film is in Indonesian. <laughs> It's like, no, that's not what the warning should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, so anyway, but anyway, the point is, I think in that realm, I think film criticism can actually push the boundaries, you know, uh, um, of of culture and 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 like Parasite, you know, this year being the most watched film at QFT, I think in a decade and then going on to win the Academy Award and all that was a was a triumphant moment for anyone who's been kind of pushing that boundary in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. I like this idea of food and film. I feel there's um, there's mileage in that kind of programming. Um, I think talking just kind of on the back of um, what's been said in terms of um, having, you know, critics that kind of open up that door. I know that when I was growing up, there was um, on the BBC, there used to be a reporter who always reported, who's based in New York. I can't remember his name, but he always reported. Yeah, Tom yeah, yeah. And oh. he always kind of reported, um, you know, from the American kind of film industry. 
and that was one of the um, things that kind of, you know got me got me into film. But I've never seen it from you know I'm not saying it, it doesn't kind of exist, but it'd be good to have you know reporters from other you know from like you know Bollywood, which is a massive you know has a massive kind of audience, or you know from China, it's a big big um, big market. And I think sometimes with critics, it's um, having you know finding a critic that has a taste outside the mainstream. And it's interesting you talk about Parasite that previous film Snowpiercer. Um, there was huge kind of problems with its release in the, in the UK. That kind of goes back to um, kind of Weinstein and issues um, with a, with a with a director. Um, and it's it's been interesting to see Snowpiercer recuperated into um, the position where it should have been in the first place when it was on its kind of you know first release on the back of um, Parasite. So I think also it's it's slightly kind of problematic, you know, where some have championed Parasite but had not championed Snowpiercer um, before it. And I'm not equating those two films as on the same level, but Snowpiercer is a really creative, um, bizarre um, piece of um, filmmaking that deserved, I think, a lot more love um, than it received on its release. But I think it also goes back to, you know, what Des was saying earlier, this idea of, you know, there are some levels of film critics that are so embedded within the film culture and, you know, those established kind of structures of, you know, the structural things that uphold our film culture and the film industry, that it becomes problematic in terms of reporting. I mean, I quite like film critics who, you know, at the moment when there's no films being released, this, you know, what are film critics actually doing? You know, are they, you know, what, what is the role of a film critic at the moment in the last few months in times of, of, of COVID? So... For me, it's looking for someone who, a film critic, who does champion films outside the, the mainstream. I think that's a brilliant point. I think that that is something that um, also it would be really remiss not to look into when regards um, criticism, that uh, there is a huge lack of diversity. And actually, if there is just um, a lack of diversity in terms of people who are um, at the forefront of film criticism, then if this piece of work wasn't necessarily made to reach this specific audience and so then it doesn't relate to them of course there's going to be a knock-on effect of that it made me think of um what you're saying there uh there was a quote from brie larson a couple of years ago brie larson um took home an award at the women in film crystal and lucy awards and she had made a point that um she wasn't interested in hearing the criticisms from a 40 year old white man about what didn't resonate with him with A Wrinkle in Time because it wasn't made for them. And that is one thing yeah. I think it's important just to touch upon also that actually there is a very positive thing that is coming out of COVID-19 about uh, people um, maybe writing more into their film blogs, people actually leaning into being, um, you know, confident in their own opinions, taking ownership over their own sense of a film review, because actually that is going to develop a new style of film criticism. Arguably, that's going to then lead to more people coming in and having different viewpoints. And I think you're absolutely right, Kat, that there are so many films that whenever we look back in hindsight, didn't receive the, the reception that they deserved at the time. And then we actually have to look back and say, OK, well, who were the people who were giving these films bad reviews? And what is it there that's actually going to be... Um, a gap in our kind of understanding of the reception of this film or the value or the worth of this film and what we could learn from it. Because if we don't look back at how maybe there's been a gap there in the past, 
we're doomed to just kind of repeat that and we're perpetuating that block or that uh, that huge gap that's happening there in terms of accessibility. So I think if anyone has any thoughts on that, I'd love to hear a little bit more, particularly relating to uh, COVID-19 and that development. Des, would you like to jump uh, well, in there? Well, <laughs> I don't know how relevant this is to COVID-19, <laughs> COVID but um, uh, I'm still trying to get my head around the idea of the, the Good Friday Agreement, you know, that the... Uh, <laughs> No, the Northern Ireland office, you know, the one line they didn't use to get people to vote for it was taste the difference. But yeah, uh, yeah. The, it, it worked. It worked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, in, in my sense is anyway, generally just teaching film and thing is that any kind of major movements um, and, and um, developments in kind of film history have often come from a film culture, which is quite. Uh, rich and vibrant and engaged and and, and focused on on, on you know on larger issues as well. But uh, and, and it's also usually a film culture where the distinction between the filmmaker and the critic is sort of dissolves. You know to some extent. So where critics, uh, you know, are themselves writing about film and about cinema and about you know. So so I mean, obviously, the French New Wave is the most obvious example of that. But but you get you get that in most you know. And I remember uh, teaching an MA course years ago. Um, and one of the things I tried to do was it was a sort of on theorizing film. Uh, and one of the things I tried to do was to try just to to, to focus on what filmmakers said about films. So, uh, you know, what Hitchcock says about suspense or what Pasolini writes about this. And uh, I didn't think I would get, you know, a full course out of this, but I, but I pretty much ne nearly did. You know, so th there is a, a sense, I think, sometimes in which we tend to um, forget that filmmakers have actually got a critical position themselves, that quite often the best filmmakers don't come to the film project with any set fixed or set ideas. They are often investigating and exploring these things in the process of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And that some critics, <laughs> they're difficult to get in their head around that. But I do think that experimental, uh, this is the thing I, I kind of think is important is, is, is always there. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, criticism and review doesn't necessarily deal with that it's much more interested in trying to simplify a film and talk about what it appears to represent and how it engages with particular social issues and this and that and i sometimes wonder about that because i do think a lot of uh you, you know a lot of cinema in will include so s politics and and, and, mm -hmm. and and sociology but politics and sociology don't necessarily include cinema and film you know so, yes I, 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 so you know do you know what i'm saying with we, we we kind of categorize film filmmakers and mm -hmm. those processes in ways that maybe aren't aren't that helpful brilliant brian did you have something you wanted to jump in there with um i just wanted to talk about um a major shift that i think has happened this year um earlier in the year i was reviewing films on radio ulster and then of course lockdown comes and cinemas close and so then i started to review um home entertainment so i was basically just looking at the screening services and i think there's a couple of major shifts have happened there i mean i think i always liked the idea of watching a film the film ends mm -hmm. you maybe walk home maybe you're with some friends you chat about the film maybe you sleep on it you kind of wake up the next morning is is, is that film still with you is that experience still there is the emotion still there i don't like instant reactions to films um of course with the streaming services it's literally 
never-ending episodes. I mean, it literally, it's five, four, three. Oh my God, the next episode's <laughs> starting. I have, I don't even have three seconds to think of what I felt about the last one. And it's almost as if criticism has just been crunched. As in, we don't want criticism, just keep consuming, just keep consuming, mm. keep yes, consuming. Yes. Yeah. And I think it becomes really difficult to find any critical mm-hmm. faculty in that. And mm-hmm. you're consuming so much screen entertainment that actually you're just kind of punch drunk uh, from binge watching. And so I think it's very difficult to, to, you know, to kind of find your critical chops in that kind of environment. Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, I think there is a kind of a... Overkill uh, of these kind of series and box sets, and uh, I mean, it even is is uh, you know, it's even there in terms of documentaries as well. You know what I mean? I mean you know, which is a, a genre and form that you would assume is going to require a certain kind of critical space or to kind of think, mm-hmm. and you know, you're all of a sudden it's a series, you know. Of course. <laughs> uh, so so um, th- that is an interesting kind of issue, I think, about some of the streaming services and some of the. These new, new, new sort of distribution and consumption kind of forms that they, they do seem to be kind of a, like an, an avalanche of 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 of, of kind of uh, uh, visual entertainment. <laughs> Without, um, yeah. well, I mean, the entertainment's great, but I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's not. Uh... Kath, did you want to jump in with something there? Yeah, I was just picking up on the, that point about kind of consuming and online kind of streaming and the kind of continuous kind of watching and I was just wondering in terms of you know what a challenge that is you know for any film critic or any you know even like television kind of critic and is there a I suppose it's more of a question and a statement is there is there an ability you know can criticism um, transform can it you know is there going to be someone who can kind of write to be able to articulate that experience you know can there be you know is there going to be room is it possible Mm -hmm. that you know streaming and how we consume can um, be articulated in how we um, review Um, and I I have no idea what that would look like Um, but I I, I just I just wondered you know can there you know is there someone out there is that is it kind of possible and is it actually um, you know needed Um, and just one other point about I think in that very kind of broad area about streaming and online in terms of um critics or you have you know i think there's there's quite a few you know in terms of like podcasting you have now film critics seems to kind of morphed online to be kind of quasi academic um Mm -hmm. quasi you know this is what i really think about it or let me explain the ending to you seems to be you know the biggest (laughs) kind of you know rise in online you know um you know, it's like, you know, when, you know, I'm thinking of ending, ending it kind of came out, you know, within 24 hours, there was quite a few, you know, on YouTube going, let me explain what happened in this film. Or you find there are other um, kind of quasi academic critics who, you know, t- would take a scene from Hanneke and they want to kind of talk it through and kind of break it down. And so I think kind of film criticism in terms of online services, there's, there seems to be a myriad of options but I'm just wondering, you know, it, I suppose in the in a way, you know, what's the future of, um, you know, film create? You know, where can it can it go, and can it is it able to respond or should it respond? I guess to um, how we now, how some of us maybe um, watch our 
um, watch our films, watch our programmes. Brilliant. I'm so happy you brought that up, actually, because that is something I was hoping to uh, raise, actually. Um, a lot of people who might be listening into this, and certainly a lot of people who um, would be going to the QFT, people who might be studying film at Queen's, they are potentially the next generation of film reviewers or film critics. And I think it's really important that we um, give a bit of a focus of attention to what is it that we collectively agree upon makes a good reviewer? What is it that we can um, advise to anyone who's thinking about pursuing this? And also, I think that's a great point as well, Kat, that you've raised about how do we um, make sure that this isn't an art that dies, that changes and moves as everything else moves along in, in, in an ever moving society. It's so fast paced with all these different technologies and streaming habits. So if there's any thoughts on that, anything that, um, you know, you wish that you'd learned sooner or any observations you're making about things that are changing, that would be so lovely to hear. Well, I think I think first and foremost, you've got to be incredibly passionate about the subject. And um, I think you've really got to f open up mm -hmm. like your own heart and emotions to what you're talking about. Um, I think sometimes um, from my point of view, you know, I really want I don't want film criticism to be dry and boring uh, or distant or I kind of really want it to mean life or death. I kind of want it to be, <laughs> I kind of really want it to matter, you know, because um, time, you know, people's time is important. People's money is important, you know. Yes. Um, so from my point of view, um, I think, you know, we're missing curators in a way i mean i i was very fortunate when i was growing up um television curated films uh double bills um you know matinees you know all of that and i watched you know the canon of cinema in that kind of curated way now you come to the streaming services and it's hard it's not curated it's just a list of stuff right right um yeah. So we do need people to point us towards things that we should watch. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I find myself when I was kind of reviewing during lockdown, trying to pull little treasures out of Netflix. Um, there was a couple of films that I saw on Netflix, short films. Uh, one called The Speed Cubers, which is about a which is about the World Rubik's Cube competition, which is wonderful. And another film called John Was Trying to Contact Aliens, uh, which is again a short film about a stargazer that has an amazing twist in it. And both of these films are absolutely brilliant. They're on Netflix and they're buried in, you know, like amongst everything else. So I think the next film critics are going to basically shine a light on things that we should be watching. Yes, I think, you know, this, this is the biggest kind of issue with like online streaming and Netflix is it's run by algorithms. So all you see, mm. it kind of comes up is, you know, we think you may like this or, you know, you've watched watched something again that um, you've watched kind of before. And I, I take your point. I mean, I, I agree about the kind of the curating because that's that's my experience. And and Christmas for me was a big thing. There was always seasons at Christmas in you know on BBC Two and BBC One. You know that would either um, spot like a director or actor, and it did help for me personally. That helped shape my um, not necessarily my kind of taste, but it helped me watch 
um, or kind of learn to kind of watch um, films. And I think one of the other issues with online services is the ability to access or the inability to access old films. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. when you when you teach students what you find, and I've I've heard you know many people say, oh students, you know they don't have a knowledge of film history. Well, where are they going to see these films if they're not on mainstream TV or they're not on streaming services? Where are they going to see um, you know black and white films, you know screwball comedies, or you know French New Wave if they're not available? Um, you know accessible to students and you often find it tends to be they've watched certain films because their parents were into kind of films so they they've they that's where they they've got it so i think in terms of not having something that's curated or you know not having access to a wider you know um kind of range of films that is is also a, the the you know um it's an issue with online services you know there's too many films to choose from and there's mm-hmm. and also there's not enough films to choose from yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, with Netflix, for example, I mean, the, the, the you know, it's flicking across the kind of trailers and the things for the films takes several hours, you know, <laughs> before you actually get to to. to uh, but if you if you if you even bother to watch film, I mean, my, my I suppose my point really is this idea about, um, you know, how do film critics find a direction and uh, orientation? I mean, I I do think that. Um, you know, criticism is, is is probably it's a much maligned kind of activity to some extent, and there are a lot of uh, caricatures and uh, mis, mis, misperceptions about critics. I mean, I always remember the line of uh, from um, Alan Parker, who who once said something along the lines of, "He said, you know, films need theorists like a, a vinyl record needs a scratch." You know, which which, <laughs> which, 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 which uh, somebody pointed out to him is also a theory, uh, but. Um, and I think the, the you know, I, I do think there's a, a, I mean, to me, it's part of this uh, in, in sort of enriching a kind of film culture, you know, and, uh, you know, not being embarrassed about the idea of, of sort of, you know, um, a film culture that is international and co- cosmopolitan and, and, and intellectual in a ways and challenging. And, and I think that's part and parcel. I, you know, as I said, I, I personally just don't really like these distinctions that keep or keep creating. But I mean, obviously, as someone who teaches film, <laughs> I also... Uh, impose them but institute them but nevertheless um uh, uh it's, it's nothing wrong with a little hypocrisy uh but i i mean i do think criticism has to be uh you know i do think it has to be informed by i mean i think brian's point about you know certainly having a passion and a love of of, of film and cinema and, and i suppose even the larger visual culture and uh yeah i mean my concern really is that i i feel a lot of kind of uh, critical engagement films seems at times to lack and uh, it's not sufficiently attentive to uh, sort of generic and formal aspects of films and what makes certain mm-hmm. films you know uh, I, I think distinctive and 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 um, you know important and I, I know these are always very loaded kind of debates and discussions but I think the debates and discussions and disagreements are good you know they yeah. are the thing they are the that's what keeps the film culture vibrant and alive and and ultimately creative because I think that's where the filmmakers come from you know and uh, I think one of the problems we might have in Northern Ireland is it's, it's very difficult for us at times to, to be able to you know um, encourage that um, and uh, it, it's certainly something that I think you know across the board you know we, we, we need to do I mean there's such a focus here on uh, even with all Game of Thrones and all that you know on, on, on sort of technology and these you know 
and uh, that can be at the expense of I think what what, what a film culture really needs. You know, uh, this is Keith Richards who once said, you know, that when he <laughs> when he uh, when you're making a rock and roll record to keep to keep the the vinyl thing, uh, you know, he said the least important thing is technology, and uh, <laughs> you know I often say this to students when they're talking about filmmaking. You know, you know it's it's, it's you got to bear that in mind. You know, it can't all be about gimmicks and gadgets and visual effects. You know, there's got to be something. You know, artistically significant or substantial there as well, and I think critics are are obliged to point that out. Beautiful, brilliant. I think that is a, a great note to kind of wrap up on. Then, just uh, I think it was really lovely what you said earlier, Brian. You uh, had mentioned not only is it got to be life, life or death, but uh, the idea of opening your heart. I think that's a really beautiful way to think about this discussion. It's not only that. Um, uh, a film critic or a film reviewer needs to open their heart to the world but essentially maybe arguably parts of the film industry uh, and we the general public we need to open our hearts to film critics as well that they are not um, an other sitting outside that they are a cohesive <laughs> part of the industry and that they are not here just to um you know, attack or anything like that. In many ways, they're actually here to champion film. They're here to champion filmmakers and enrich our community in such an incredible way. So I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks, you. Amanda. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, folks. This has been Talking Film at Queen's and I've been your host, Amanda Doherty. Be sure to listen next time when we ask... Is animation better than live action? Until then, stay safe and keep watching film. Mm-hmm.